This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You acted like you had a million followers. And like my likes would be like literally my mom, my grandma, my husband, my brothers were like telling their friends, please follow my sister. And I like, I love hearing that because I forget like how that all started. And it really did get to where it is because I didn't stop. I didn't jump ship. I didn't panic. I didn't try to do something else. And I just really gave it everything. Welcome to The Real Real, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Real Real Podcast. It is your host, Natalie Barbu, and I'm very excited to be on the mic. We're actually going through some changes with The Real Real, and nothing's going to change to the podcast. Like What you're listening to right now will all stay exactly the same, but with the marketing of it, I have decided that I have spread myself a little too thin, and having a whole separate podcast Instagram to keep up with, along with my personal Instagram, along with Rella's Instagram, is just a lot. And so I'm actually going to begin promoting the podcast on my personal Instagram. I feel like that's where I have the community anyways, and I just kind of use the Instagram account as like a billboard where it doesn't have like a cult community like this podcast you guys follow it and then you follow me you know it's not like oh my god I love following the real real podcast because that's just not what it's necessarily meant like it's 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 really just kind of like sharing quotes and like new episodes but I don't dedicate as much time to that to be able to form a community. So that's why I'm like, you know what? I'm going to transfer it over to just at Natalie Barbu on my Instagram. And that's where we're going to talk about this podcast. And I feel so much better about it. It's like a weight lifted off my shoulder. I'm so much more excited now to promote the podcast because sometimes I felt like, oh, is that annoying? Like promoting it in two places at once. Like if my podcast promotes it and then I promote it, like is that like super annoying? Cause some people follow both accounts. And so now I don't have to deal with that stress anymore. And I don't have to deal with dealing with a separate Instagram account. And you know, like also it was an expense having someone manage that account. So I am just so excited to have my own account. I'm going to post all of the reels on my own account, going to be promoting it on my own stories, going to be having discussions on my profile. And I think it's just going to drive a lot more people to the podcast. And it's also just going to have a better community. Like I'm just really, really excited about that because I always felt like podcasting was kind of one-sided sometimes, but I'm very glad that with this decision, I feel like it's finally going to be more of a conversation that I have with you guys rather than just, you know, like me, me posting this episode and then you guys following an Instagram account that like, isn't that personal, not that community oriented, stuff like that. So I am super excited. This is a shameless plug, of course, then to follow my personal account. I'm not going to delete the other account because I don't know if that account will ever come back. Like it might, you know, so I don't want to delete it. But I'm very excited to just finally have like one where I can talk about the podcast because it's so intermingled like with what I enjoy speaking about anyways. We can have conversations. We can have deep dives. Oh, I'm just, I'm pumped. But speaking of that, I haven't done this in a while and I wanted to thank you all for reviewing my podcast because we are at 903 ratings on Apple. So now you can actually rate five stars on Spotify. So that would mean a lot to me if you guys did that. But for Apple podcasts, I've gotten quite a few new reviews, which I'm shocked about. So I'm going to start at the top and I'm going to do one review of the week. And I really want to bring this back. So this is from Demiris Angelique. I really hope I said your name right. I am the worst at pronouncing names, but here's her podcast review found my go-to. Natalie is everything I've been looking for in a perfect host. She's soft-spoken but confident and gives reassurance that us more reserved girls can make our mark in the world without all the noise. Her selection of guests are perfect too. Can't wait to tell all my friends about it. Keep doing your thing, girly. That was really nice because I felt like I always, I always felt like I wasn't that great on social media because I wasn't this like extremely bubbly personality. And if you were watching YouTube back in like 2011, 2012, 2013, 14, 15, that era was very saturated, bubbly, loud, screaming in your face. And I was never like that. I was always a very shy person. I was always more soft-spoken and reserved. And so that was just never me. 
And so I always felt like, oh, that's why I'm like not popular. That's why I'm not like getting the views. Like that's why, you know, I'm not as successful as them because I wasn't this like very loud. I take up a bunch of space in a room type of person. And I know that a lot of people that film those types of videos at the time weren't like that either. You know, it was really just like for the camera, for YouTube, but I couldn't even be like that, like for YouTube and like even my podcast, you know, I listen to some podcasts and they're very, very like captivating and loud and like funny. And sometimes I'm like, is that, does that hurt me that I'm not like that, that I'm not like super loud and energetic and like bouncing off the walls on my podcast. So that review really reassured me. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for leaving that review. It definitely reassured me. And also one of the comments I used to get a lot of, I don't know if my voice has maybe changed or maybe people just don't leave those comments anymore, but I would always get the comment that my voice is so annoying and I never understood why someone would comment that because I'm like, well, I can't change it. So yeah, the fact that you guys are now saying that like I have a very like nice voice to listen to is really nice because obviously my voice is the only thing you're listening to. You're not, you're not watching me. There's no other like senses going on. It's really just audio. So that makes me very happy. Thank you so much. That was kind of a whole long-winded segment based on a review, but you know, just wanted to get personal with you. So today I have an amazing guest on. I'm so excited for this guest. I would say I am the queen of digital organization. I'm really good at digital organization and like organizing, you know, certain aspects of my life. So my calendar, my tasks, my to-do lists, sometimes, sometimes my to-do lists are scattered, but you know, I feel like I'm good at that. My inbox is not organized. I don't use like folders and stuff like that. So maybe I can work on that next. And I would say like my closet is organized slightly, like what's on hangers is organized, things like that. But when it comes to like my kitchen, my jewelry, oh my God, my jewelry. I don't know how to organize jewelry. How do you guys do it? I literally don't know. It's literally just like thrown on top of a shelf for me. Like that is where all my earrings, necklaces, everything is. So, you know, I'm organizing some aspects, but some aspects I definitely need help with. And so today's guest is Rhea, and she is the founder of Reorganize. Very catchy, cheeky play on words in her name. But if you don't know, Reorganize is a modern organization company which offers full service luxury organization design and space planning. They also create customized organization solutions for your space and show you the best ways to maintain them. Rhea is so funny. The fact that she has built a career off of organizing, the fact that she wasn't organized when she started, you know, it's just her story is incredible. The tips that she gives is incredible. I'm just so excited for you to listen to this episode. She's always had a knack for neatness, I will say. So when I said she wasn't always organized, she's always cared about being neat um, and having like a streak of creativity and all of that. But it was kind of like organized chaos. And we talk about that. So if you're someone who's like, oh my God, I'm the biggest mess. I can never be an organizer. I can never organize things or I can never live in an organized way, even though you want to. This episode is totally for you. But even if you do not care about organization, this episode is for you because she talks about how she entered into that career and how she built her career. And now she's literally organizing every single celebrity's house. She's like doing such cool things. She might have cool stuff in the future coming up. Like it's just, it's, it's incredible. After becoming a mom, her passion for organization actually grew and she found herself helping her family and friends get organized and eventually the business took off. I mean, the success story this woman has is crazy. And she began working with celebrity clients like Jen Atkin and Lauren Bostick, which both people huge, huge, huge fans of. So in this episode, we talk about how she changed majors seven times in school in four years and yet still graduated, but how everything connected to business. And she just loved that world, especially, you know, business, entrepreneurship, all of that stuff, how her journey wasn't linear. And she's worn very many hats when it comes to her career. She's learned her worth and she never works for free. She gives you tips on how to organize your life and home, even if you can't afford a professional organizer and how to get rid of things stress-free. We also talk about her favorite products for organization and how to pick the right items for your home. This episode is incredible. She was one of my favorite people to talk to. It was just like such a natural and easy conversation. So please welcome Rhea to the show. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. 
I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Heiress tour for like the third time, you know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz-free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces inner pair split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration, and according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to theouai.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's theouai.com, promo code RealReal. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. get started in the actual like questions of the podcast but before I always start the podcast I always start with a segment called setting the record straight so this is some stereotypes assumptions you'll let me know if they're true or false oh nice yeah they're fun like little icebreakers (laughs) so the first one is that people are naturally messy or naturally clean I would say there is truth to that like inherently we lean one way or the other, but you are not stuck that way is kind of the, the alternative to that. Yeah. I feel like a lot of it has to do with how you grew up, like how your parents were, how, you know, you were as a child, but it's something that's kind of like learned and just adapted rather than your, you can't change. Yes. It's such a mix. I would say, and I'm sure we'll, we'll dive into it more at one point, but I'm actually like, a naturally very messy person. It has a lot to do with like left brain, right brain type stuff, right? Where people like, you know, are more drawn to numbers and black and white versus, you know, creative, abstract. And I've always leaned more to the creative side, which I found that a lot more of our creative type clients, whether they're, you know, designers or artists or musicians, there's more clutter involved. They say Albert Einstein, was very messy. So basically, you're a genius. And <laughs> Well, that kind of brings me to the next one then, which is there's such thing as organized chaos. Do you think that there is such thing as organized chaos? Yes, that is my life, first of <laughs> all. 
I feel like one person's clean is another person's chaos. Like everybody has their own definition of what makes them feel sane. And I feel at the end of the day, being organized is having systems set up in a way that you feel like you just have your ish together. But yeah, I mean, there are the people that are totally fine living with clutter. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm looking for a hair brand. It's like, oh yeah, under the chair in the guest room. It's like, you know exactly where things are. Yeah searching for things like they know where things live. It's just not the normal places people would put them, I guess. I feel like that's how I can be sometimes. Like I'm not dirty, but I am messy. Like I have like clothes everywhere and like I'll have like my shoes in one corner and then like my other shoe in another corner. But like when it's time to get ready, I know where everything is. Like I'm like, oh yeah, that corner, got it. Like (laughs) underneath this thing, like. (laughs) And I feel like that's such a important differentiator of being dirty and being messy. Cause I explain, I'm like, I'm messy. I don't put caps on things. I forget to close cabinets and drawers. You could tell my whole day if I don't put things back, but I don't have like, you know, gross bowl of mac and cheese on my nightstand or like, you know, it's like, there's a difference there. And I feel like so much of how we keep our spaces has so much to do with like what's going on inside of our head. And I mean, I couldn't even count all the different things that I'm balancing or thinking about on a given day to where it's so easy to let things like my closet just fall to the wayside. But the difference and, you know, what, you know, people like us at Reorganize do for clients is helping them create systems to where when things are put away, there's a home for them but it doesn't mean that things are magically put away for you. Like once right. there's in place, you have to maintain it. Yeah. And this is kind of off topic, but are you the type of person that will like clean up as you go when you're cooking? Or are you one of those people that like makes the mess and then at the very end, you clean everything? Natalie, I could sit here and lie to you. <laughs> I am the messiest cook on the planet. Like sometimes <laughs> my husband will be like, forget it. Don't even make dinner because he doesn't feel like picking up after me. I am a disaster, which I mean, like I just, I make my meals with love. There's like so much that goes into it, but no, are you kidding? There's like bell pepper seeds and, you know, juice from that. Like it's, it's literally everywhere. And I I'll have my moments where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Like, it's easy for me to clean up for myself if I'm doing like box muffins. I'm like everything in the box, box in the trash. And I'm like, look at me. I did a good job, but no, I am a disaster cook. Yeah. It's always like your partner is the opposite of what you are. You know, like my boyfriend freaks out when I don't close the drawers right away or like don't clean up as I go, but I'm like, it's going to get clean. Like I'll clean it at the end. Like, Exactly. I know. I'm like, did you enjoy the food as much as I am like the perfect match for Connor? I'm also just a walking version of his nightmare. Like (laughs) so many things about me to where, you know, I'm the one who is a professional organizer. I go out there and organize people for a living, but it's interesting where he's more organized than me. Like he's the type where it's like every cord is like cord wrapped and like, like his like work bags, or if he travels, like he's the guy that uses the pockets and cargo pants. Yeah. Like those people exist in that as my husband to where I'm just, I don't know. I'm much more of a, a hot mess, but I prefer it that way. It's, it's a good balance. Yeah, I agree. And then the next one is that you can build a career out of any passion. 100%. 100% true. Times a million. Yes. Yeah. I'm so curious with, I mean, your career, your professional organizer, I feel like there's not that many people like you out there, but when you were younger, were you messy? Were you really messy when you were younger? When did you kind of yeah. evolve to being an organizer? Not even professionally, but when did you evolve to, to actually be good at organizing? Yes. Great question. I was so messy when I was younger, like to the point where we had, and my parents still have this amazing housekeeper, Antonia. And like, she literally was told not to go in my room. My mom was like, that is disrespectful. Like that is not what anybody is here to help with. Like I, it was just clothes everywhere. It was always like landmines. It was just crazy, but I always loved space. I was always creative. So like my room, like my, my passion when I was like middle school, going to high school was making collages, which I think is so interesting because that is the perfect representation of organized chaos, right? There's like purpose to what you're doing, but like, I hate having to cut things perfectly. Like I, I don't even like crafts. So it's interesting. I like doing something with scissors and glue, but it's like, I could be imperfect about it. And I really loved that. But I also liked that it was structured and closed in a frame. And then it like served as artwork. Like that was something that was an outlet for me. And I enjoyed that. 
And I also loved like rearranging my furniture. Like I rearranged my room like every other day. And my room, like two walls were red, two were bright orange. You know, the top of it was lined with the teen people covers. Remember teen people? Is that, I'm sure that's still a thing. I kept all my magazines. That was my hoarding. I kept everything. And so I cut out all the, all the whatever magazine covers and my bathroom was hot pink. Like I just, I took so much pride in my room in that way, but I just didn't take care of my things. But I liked being surrounded by like pretty and inspiring type stuff. And then, I mean, definitely stayed a mess well through college. Again, like if I wanted to do something, I would do it. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't prioritizing it. And what's so funny is one of my good friends, she's also the graphic designer behind like everything we organize. We were out to dinner a couple months ago and she was like, yeah, I totally just remembered the story from college. She's like, I have to tell you. I'm like, what? She was like, okay. So it was one day where we were day drinking and like, you know, totally getting ready to like have a second wind, like go out. She's like, we had like already well gotten into partying that day. And she's like, I was in your room with you and you just freaked out about how messy everything was. And you were like, I'm not going anywhere until I reorganize my closet. And she's like, I literally sat there with my drink and just watched you empty everything. She's like, it was insane. She's like, and you totally like reorganized everything. And you were not kidding. Like we weren't going to go out until you did it. And I never even remembered that story. So I'm like, that's so funny. I did that. So my schoolwork has always been very organized. Mm -hmm. Anything like schoolwork, office, I mean, it is like stapler just so. I was that girl that like, like, you know, when it was just like total OCD highlighting. Yeah. Lived for it. Lived. I mean, color coordinated. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you like, and I was like super dramatic with like notes, I'd write my friends. Like, I mean, I would spend like an hour just on how I wrote their name. And I just, I love stuff like that. So it's not like I didn't have it in me. I very much took pride and took care of like schoolwork and workspaces. But then I would say everything truly shifted for me once I got married. And once I started having kids, because it, it wasn't just my stuff anymore. I wasn't just letting myself down. Like me letting myself down was affecting how I was as a wife, how I was as a mother. And that was kind of this big wake up call of like, girl, you need to get it together for everyone. And I really realized that the way my space was, was impacting the way that I felt every day and just my mood. And so me really figuring out systems, learning how to maintain them, but practicing and working at it. That's what made me excited about sharing this with other people. I had this idea originally at the end of college. So this was even before getting married or having kids, but it was kind of more like me just trying to figure out what I'd want to do. I always wanted to be helping people, but something that I could be creative. And I remember like just playing with names because with my name, you could use anything. So it was like redesign, reimagine, reorganize. Like, I guess I could organize whatever. So then it all came back in my head in 20, like end of 2015. My daughter was like probably 10 months old, 11 months old. And I was so sad leaving her in daycare all day long. And I was just like, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. I actually didn't even want to be like a career woman. I didn't want to be a businesswoman. I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. I told my husband that week two of dating, I was like, I'm going to be staying home if you got a problem, bye. Um, but then I got pregnant at 23 unexpectedly. And that's kind of like grow up, like you need to be a part of this too. And so I'm just so thankful that I found something that I could be so passionate about that could help other people, but also help our family. And I could have never imagined what it would turn into. Yeah. What were you doing before then? Like, so I know you didn't want to, you know, be that like businesswoman or whatever, but What were you studying? What were you working in before you decided to do this? So I actually changed my major seven times and managed (laughs) to graduate in four years, which I think is like my biggest flex ever. I think it's Um, a record. (laughs) Like no joke, seven times. What's funny is what I do now literally encompasses all of them. So I went in at graphic design, changed to interior design, then psychology, then undecided, then strategic or no, then graphic design again, then strategic communications and marketing, and then general studies, business emphasis. So I, I graduated with general studies, whatever that is with a business emphasis, because I kept a business minor the whole time. And then I added a bunch of business classes my senior year. And I loved those classes. I learned the coolest things. I'm just pretty indecisive. I mean, I'm the person where it's like, it really is that like notebook scene of like, what do you want? Like whenever we're just trying to figure out dinner, I'm like, I don't know. Like I cannot, 
I can't decide anything. I'm the worst. So changed my major seven times. And then post-college, moved to Houston on a whim with just one of my friends who had, you know, a killer townhouse. Her dad was going to charge me like nothing to live there. So it was just a fun opportunity to experience something new. So I worked first. I mean, I just had to find a job and I worked as basically like they called me an analyst. I was a glorified receptionist who did Costco runs on Mondays. Sure. <laughs> I don't know what I'm analyzing like samples, but anyways, so I worked for an oil and gas company, super random. Like I've gone and visited a pipeline and like stayed overnight at a sketchy hotel in Louisiana. So random when I think about that, like little stint of my life. Yeah. Then from there, I went and worked for a commercial real estate company, CBRE, which was a really cool job. So I was probably like 22 at this time. And I was an assistant to two of the top, definitely one of the very, very top office brokers in Houston, but just two total like kick-ass people. Like I cannot believe their work ethic and how awesome they were. So they were the people like buying, selling, leasing giant office buildings and Houston was blowing up. And then I was a marketing coordinator for 17 office brokers. Part of my job was doing like commission paperwork or whatever, um, like deal reports for the brokers. And I was like, oh my gosh, like they make so much money. Like I want, let's go. I want a piece of this. Then I got my real estate license and this, I was pregnant, I think. Yeah, I was pregnant. I just like busted my butt, studied everything for two months, got through all the courses in two months. I like literally got my license within two months. Like I was not messing around. Then I convinced these two guys to bring me on to their brokerage team for industrial brokerage. So after having Landry and after maternity leave, that was my job was going to all these warehouses. And so we were part of like the buying, selling, you know, leasing of warehouses and even some land deals. So like just going to all these like random places in Texas, it was just hilarious. And it was such a great experience, such a great opportunity. I made six figures my first year doing that, which like so crazy. So then try convincing your husband that you want to organize pantries and leave that because- (laughs) That's literally what happened. Like we had received like our W-2s or whatever, like I saw how well I did, how well he did. And he's like, you know, it's very like, oh, thank God. Okay, we're gonna be okay. Like we've got a kid, whatever. And then he wanted to change. I wanted to change. And he was like, let's move to California. And that's, that's literally what started everything. He thought I was transferring internally. And I was really like building this like business on the side to like present him all my ideas. And so I could just hit the ground running when we moved. Wow. And it, your path is not linear, you know, like it's very kind of all over the place. Like it wasn't like, okay, you loved organizing from day one. And like, it was just like a linear path until you got to where you are today. Like you tried out so many different things and like, didn't know exactly what you wanted to do. And I think that's really inspiring because so many people feel like they'll look at you and like your success. And they're like, I want to do that. But oh man, I don't have the experience yet. And it's like, you don't need it. You don't. And, and, Honestly, I share this so much. That was a really weird thing for me to come to terms with that one day, all of a sudden, I'm a professional and you should pay for me. Like, I didn't go to school for this. Like, uh, my mom loves her pantry. Like, I like I did her pantry and like some friends. But that there was like major imposter syndrome to where I just, I knew I had so much more to learn. And it's interesting because when I think about what my passion is, my passion isn't organizing. Like, I don't wake up just like, oh my gosh, I just want to organize everything all day, or I can't wait to organize things. My passion is finding ways to make life easier for people. I love, I mean, the littlest things. I mean, I was sharing about, I have like all these veins on my leg and I'm like sharing about like the journey of like getting those checked out and getting treatment. And I literally got, I mean, probably honestly over 400 or 500 messages just from yesterday. And it was women just being like, thank you so much. Like, I thought I was by myself in this. You've encouraged me to go get this checked out. Like something as little as that, that has nothing to even do with organizing, but that is what just like sets my heart on fire. Is like, oh my gosh, like we're reaching people. I have people from Dubai DMing their pantries being like, you inspired this. I'm like, what? This is so crazy. So it's more like everything that comes from the initial like organizing where this began. Yeah. And when I know that you said you moved to California kind of was your fresh start to do it full time, but did it start as a side hustle? And like, how did it start where you were actually organizing other people's or did it, was it kind of just overnight and you were like, I just want to do this. I'm pretty impulsive. 
Me too. I, like, Me too. Like, once I make a decision, it is like, oh, it is happening. Yeah. Done. I got in a type where I'm like, I want to paint that wall. And I just like grab paint and splatter it. I'm like, it's happening. So yeah. that's a lot how this was. I'm so thankful that my husband had, so he came uh, to California and was going to work for my dad's company. So we like, obviously so blessed that that was like an easy thing for him to just have a job and be there. And there was a salary that I knew we could fall back on. So I know that that's not always the case for everybody of, okay, starting from nothing. And if you don't have enough, like you've got to be able to cover things. But our deal, like when we went over everything was I had to be able to cover our mortgage and it was 3,400 a month. And it was okay. Like, we're going to see if this can actually be a thing. Like, you know, my husband wasn't here and neither was I to entertain like me just like piddling around, not really doing anything. Like, let's see if we can really make this a thing. So I had to cover 3,400 and that was my goal. And I'm very goal oriented. Like if I have something I have to hit, I'm like, great. If it's just like, hey, let's see how you do. I don't do as well. So I did my mom, which I mean, my parents always paid me like that helped, but I did different projects there, different projects for my grandparents. Then my mom reached out to two of her friends. And so my first like legit job was for one of our close family friends and I did their pantry and I just obsessed over this space. And it's still like one of my favorite pantries that I've done. And it was like one of my first projects and it was what proved to me like, hey, you could totally do this. Like, this is really good. And I'll backtrack a little. I totally thought I invented this idea. I did not know professional organizing existed. I didn't know the home edit existed. I didn't know anything until I looked at Pinterest, of course, at night to like, get organization ideas for what I was going to be doing. And I was like, oh, this is totally a thing, but I can do it. Um, and I'm competitive. So I like that there are other people out there as I just, I need competition and mm-hmm. fuels me in, in everything. But then I was in like what catapulted everything. And it was pretty, you know, like overlapping. I literally announced on my Instagram, like I did it, took the leap. I have this business for any of your organization needs, go follow out, reorganize. Like it's like the cutest little post ever. I love looking at it. And I was in this mommy and me class where a different expert spoke every week. And so the owner of that class was like, Hey, would you want to be an expert for next session? I didn't know you did this. That's so cool. And here I am in my head thinking like, uh, holy crap. I like, I mean, I've done this for like four minutes, yeah. but sure, I'm like, Oh my God, I would love to share all my wisdom. Of course there is so much, I think in anything faking it till you make it. And totally. I don't think it's it's faking the skill as much as it's faking your confidence. Mm -hmm. I had to fake my confidence for a long time. And I make it, I'm a very confident person, but this was just scary for me. People were trusting me. Like I never want anybody to feel like they can't trust me or that they, they invested in something that wasn't right for them or it was a waste of their money or anything. Well, first I prepared for this speaking thing. Keep in mind, like picture like eight women on a floor covered by their crawling toddlers and like goldfish on the floor. (laughs) That was the scene. And I prepared for this. Like I was talking to a conference. Like, I mean, literally I had my mom and my husband sit down and I just kept going over like, okay, it's going to be fine. And I just like, I wanted it to be perfect. And that turned into probably my first like six jobs just from working for the owner of that class. I did her closet. I did her pantry. So she showed women in there and it really like, especially within like mom communities, like they all just share everything. So I probably ended up getting like seven clients total from speaking at a couple different ones of those. Then I spoke at another mommy and me. And then I worked for this one family that just turned into like seven other jobs because, you know, all of her girlfriends had to have it. And that was the point where it was like, we need to be hiring other people to work here. My husband's like, you can't do this all by yourself. Like it was like really starting to pick up. And then that's where we kind of pivoted and started adding a team and and evolving from there. That's crazy at how it started at something so small and how it just word of mouth is so powerful. Like, don't get me wrong, social media and all of that is very, very powerful too. But there's nothing like just a friend recommending something. It's like you trust them so much more seeing it in person, like if they went and actually saw it, like, that is something so powerful. And I feel like sometimes today people put all their eggs in like the social media basket, which I think is good to work on it, but like, don't neglect that like word of mouth and just like genuine personal connection. Well, and do you remember the day that like everything disappeared for a day and it was like, oh, maybe Instagram's not coming back. Yeah. Like that had to have been a real coming to Jesus for a lot of companies because I know I was sitting there being like, thank God I have thousands of emails. Thank God I have other ways of reaching all of these people. Like you need to always be sure that in some way or another, you are 
connecting and collecting information from these people or else it's like, poof. Mm-hmm. Like if my Instagram disappeared, I still have a way to reach out to people and like, I mean, not as many people, but still do something. Right. And that's what's so scary is kind of knowing where to put all your energy. But when I first started Instagram, I always share this because my brother still brings it up today. I have three brothers and they're all younger. They just still talk about how I never stopped. Like they're like, you posted every day, mm-hmm. every single day. I mean, I've still posted every single day. I think if there were ever any like lulls, it was because like something was going on. But for the most part, I was like, I stayed so consistent. They're like, you acted like you had a million followers. And like my likes would be like literally my mom, my grandma, my husband, my brothers were like telling their friends, please follow my sister. And I like, I love hearing that because I forget like how that all started. And it really did get to where it is because I didn't stop. Mm-hmm. And for how distracted I get or for how indecisive I am or how much I switch things like this is, you know, aside from like being married and like my family, like this is the one thing that has stayed such a constant for me. Like I, mm-hmm. I didn't jump ship. I didn't panic. I didn't try to do something else. And I just really gave it everything. And you, you kind of have to make this decision with your business or with your brand of like, what do you want it to be? Like there are organizing companies. I have no clue what the people behind it look like. That's not how they share it. They share through their work and that's it, which is great and totally works for some people. I knew that connection for me was everything. I love talking with people. I answer all of my DMS. Like I love that part of it. And I wanted people to know me, especially in a world where like now there are thousands, tens of thousands of organizing companies. Like there's hundreds of organizing companies just in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, like no matter what we're doing, there are so many people doing the same thing. And it's the differentiators who we are. And I feel like the reason that a lot of people will hire us over other people is because they feel they made a connection over a phone call or over a consult. And, and I've just really prioritized that. And I feel like that's made a huge difference for just everything. Yeah. And I mean, you have to kind of fake it and act like you have, you know, all of these customers and act like you have all these followers in order to actually get them. Like, yeah, like manifest. Yeah. <laughs> manifest it all. No, completely. Or it's like, you know, I'd be on like one of my first jobs ever and they'd be like, so what do you recommend? Or like, you know, what's your advice? And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm like, so I'm going to like, I'm going to mull on that for a sec. Let me yeah. get you like Googling. Like, I don't freaking know. I'm like, well, what I've just decided at this moment, we're going to do. <laughs> But now it's so cool for me to just no preparation, be able to hop into conversations like this and be so 100% confident that I am an expert in the space, that I know what I'm talking about, that I have something to contribute in this conversation. And I didn't always feel that way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it does take experience, but you've got to start somewhere, you know, like just, and you have to just do it. And I feel like that's the biggest difference between the people who make it and the people who don't are the people who just do it. And don't stop. They just want things like fall in their lap. You know, they want to win the lottery or they want a viral video to make them famous. And it's like, you've got to put in work. Like you have to. And trust me, like, I wish I could have like gone the lazy route and just like whatever, had all the money show up and not really have to do anything. But that just, that's not reality. And there's something so rewarding to like, oh my gosh, this is a direct result to how much I worked my butt off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I, I think it's something that's like, no matter what industry you're in, it's the same message, you know, and it's like the same lesson. Yeah. And I know that you've also done a lot of celebrity homes and your clientele is insane. Like it's incredible. How did that get started? Like, what was your in? Well, or was there, was there an in? Was it kind of like you reaching out? Like, how did that get started? It's a great story. Well, even back up a little bit before like the job that started everything. I, cause I feel like this will help people who are getting started. I mean, I guess the landscape of Instagram has changed a little bit, but I thought for me to like, for our business to blow up or whatever, I had to be working for all these like different bloggers or mommy influencers in my area. And I remember there were certain people I reached out to that maybe had 20,000 followers, 30,000 followers. And I'm a brand new business. I'm a mom. Like I'm trying to reach out to other moms, connect with them. Hey, I would love to do your pantry. You know, could you share about it? Whatever. Like, that's what I thought you had to do. And I was being told I had to pay not only for like, obviously, like they're not paying for my time. I had to pay for any product use. And I was sent all of these different rates to what I would have to pay if I wanted them to post about me in certain platforms. And that pissed me off. Yeah, you're doing a service. And this is not to take away from like stores or 
like product companies, but I was not sending somebody a sweater to put on and post and then like move on with their life. Like we were going in and there was, you know, strategy and grunt work and like execution and like labor happening in these people's homes. And I'm like, that doesn't sit right with me. This is, I'm no, no. And so like, I didn't do those projects and refuse to do those projects. I feel like that was an important thing for me to decide because there would be things that like popped up. I would turn them down and I would see other organizers do them. And at first I was like, oh, did I miss out on this opportunity? But at the end of the day, like the choices that I've made and the people I've chosen to work with, oh my gosh, like the return has been tenfold. And that's all because of this first, first person who like truly launched everything. And that's Jen Atkin. I talk about her, like literally any speaking thing I've ever done. It's like, you could do a compilation of me just like talking about Jen and all of them. I truly call her my fairy godmother because she just changed my business so much. So I received a DM from Jen Atkin 10 hours after I delivered my third kid. Like I'm in a hospital bed and I adore her, obviously know everything about her now, but I was not familiar with all that Jen Atkin was. It was me seeing a blue check. And at those times you're just like, no, oh, with a blue check. Like, yeah. what does this mean? <laughs> oh my God, this is basically Oprah, what's going on? So I remember like, doing research, Googling her. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this, this is no joke. And this, this woman wants me to come in and do their new home. She wants to connect me with her assistant. This is totally crazy. And of course I'm acting like, oh yeah, you're just like, you know, the fifth person like you to reach out this week. Like what? I don't even think I said that I just delivered a baby. Like I did not want to lose this opportunity. Something, it was just like, this is going to be huge. It's going to be huge. I did a consult, like still wearing my mesh panties. Like, I mean, I was just like all good. Like, especially my third kid. It really is like those commercials where you'd like hand them to a mechanic at this point. I'm like, we're good. So I go do this project and I will never forget. We were walking up her stairs and she looks at me. She's like, if you don't invoice me, I'm never going to share about you to anybody. And and I was totally going to do this at no cost because we had partnered with a product company who was covering all the product. So I felt like, okay, at least I'm not losing money. I'm getting products and there's a middle ground here. Yet she totally could have gotten this all for free. And she was like, you're going to charge me. And she was like, I started in the service industry, just like you. And it's always the people with the most money that never wanted to pay. And I didn't like that. Like that didn't sit right with me. And she's like, you need to know your worth. And that was so important for me to hear as like my first true collaboration. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, okay. And like, since then I have not done free work. Like the biggest of celebrities, like who allowed me to do like social or whatever, even that I will say, I let them ask me, Hey, is there a discount? If I post on social, I approach every project, like, Hey, here's a full proposal. Here's what's going on. Like I care the most that we're just helping you. Like I have some of the coolest clients on the planet that the world will never know about. And I'm totally fine with that. Mm -hmm. I know it's awesome, (laughs) but I care the most about helping them. I don't care about like exploiting their name. Obviously, if they're like, hey, is there something there? And of course, you know, when you can put celebrity names to you, that helps so much. But even that, it's like 20% discount. Mm -hmm. I am not doing this for free. And I feel like that has made a huge, huge impact. And it's just gotten me more quality, either collaborations or just more quality clients. It was like the for the 10 that I'd turn away, two were just epic and like so amazing and did so much. And people like Jen Atkin, there was no like, Hey, here are all the deliverables I need from you. You know, if you could do this, if you could really just talk about, um, how this made you feel in your space, if you could do a story and a post, thank you. Nothing. There was nothing in writing, nothing figured out. Same with, uh, Lauren Bostick, skinny confidential. Like these were just like basically handshake. We're excited to work together. But my whole thing has been, you're going to be so excited about the work that you're going to want to talk about it. And the two of them specifically have just never stopped talking about us. And it wasn't under an obligation. It wasn't under a contract. They just wanted to share because it's making a difference. And it's been repeat business. You know, it started with Jen's office. Then it was her makeup closet. Then it was Mike's office. Then it was their laundry room, their pantry, their kitchen, then the way headquarters, then the main addicts headquarters, her new house is coming up. It's like, it just keeps going. And Lauren Bostick, it was her LA home. And now it's going to be her Austin home. It's, it's, they turn into real clients, but also these amazing names that can continue to share about you. It's just, it's been so cool. And the more organic it is, the more people trust them too. Like if it's like hashtag ad, love this, like the pantry, like people don't trust it as much, you know, unfortunately it's so much better to be organic. Yeah. Totally. And that's, I mean, 
have I been burned by my, Hey, I don't want to formalize this. I just want you to post what you feel good about. Totally. Like I'll get some like half-ass story after like a giant project. And I'm like, Hmm, that backfired. Mm-hmm. But okay. Like I, there is still total like live and learn moments, but at the end of the day, I'm like, well, that's why I don't do it for free because then I'd be really pissed that I wasn't getting what I needed, but I feel so weird making people feel like they have to do a certain amount of stuff to talk about me. And I don't know if that's good business or bad business. Like these are just things that I've learned. I've found that if I really can create connection with people and just make them feel so good in their spaces, they're going to want to talk about it themselves. And just like you said, it comes off so much more legit. Right. Right. And have you seen any homes that have been like so cluttered and like so messy that you're like, oh my God, like this is like too much. Or like, how do you tackle those that are like just a lot? (laughs) I think I am a special kind of person, which I think a lot of organizers are like, there's just something about us to where it's almost the crazier quote unquote, the better, because it's a true transformation that they're going to see where I got overwhelmed very early on and made the decision to not move forward with projects like that um, would be with like actual hoarders because, and this, it wasn't that my clients were unhappy. Like I, there was like one woman specifically, I mean, she wrote a page and a half testimonial. Like she was so moved by everything and her and I worked one-on-one, but I would call my mom crying every day after this project. I'm like, I'm, I'm doing a disservice to this woman. She's so happy, but there's so much more going on. There's such a psychological element that I'm not going to be able to help get her past that I knew the type of lane I wanted to stay in. Like, of course I love, you know, the luxury oceanfront homes, like big bougie mansions. Those are wonderful, but also just, you know, there are still regular families that we love helping, but that are already, I think at a point of organization in their home. Mm -hmm. I mean, some have like zero organization, but there's not this added layer that I can't, breakthrough, if that makes sense. That's kind of my like, okay, I'm just, I'm truly not able to help you because there are people that, you know, have gone to school to be able to help get past certain ways of thinking and reasons for holding on to things and and all of that. Mm -hmm. And for someone who doesn't have a professional organizer or can't, you know, hire a professional organizer, what are some tips that you have for them to start organizing? Do you sketch things out beforehand? Do you kind of like dump everything in one big room and then start from scratch or like what are just some ways to kind of take a step back and like take those first steps to start organizing yes great question um I do know that we have a blog post too that like I give just kind of like the basic steps for any organization project if anybody wants like more elaboration but the cool thing about organizing spaces is it really is the same steps over and over and over again it's just the difference in how long it takes and you know how much you're having to go through, right? So I always suggest one, you you need to know you're in the mindset for it. And there's so much overlapping in how you approach an organization project to how you would like your health and fitness journey. Mm -hmm. Like you have to be ready to like, okay, I'm going to commit to working out two days a week, three days a week, whatever that is. And like, you can't fall off. You have to maintain it. And I think that's the part people forget. It's like, they think like, I'm obviously really bad at organizing because it didn't stay that way. It's like, well, did you put things back that way? Because it doesn't just magically stay that way. So anyways, having the mindset, being ready for it, allotting the appropriate amount of time. I think the biggest way that you can feel defeated is if you start a large project with not enough time and you're having to leave everything all crazy or you're having to step everything back to get out of your way. That's going to defeat you so quickly and it's going to overwhelm you for any future projects. So start small, start with your laundry room, start with spaces that it's not this like whole thing to figure out, okay, am I keeping this or not? Like tie detergent, spray and wash. It's like, you can, it's like, okay, it's out or I need new fabric softener. Like those are easy decisions to make. And when you're going through the larger spaces, you know, pantries are easy. You're getting rid of expired items. Like just going through and getting rid of expired items is so necessary. I've made it a habit in my own home. I probably clear out my fridge at least once every two weeks and not totally empty it, but like really reassess it. Like, okay, everything's up to date. We're totally good. 
you know, maybe there's like a random sauce I got for a random dish that I'm like, I'm never going to use this. Like I edit that space like crazy because I know how nuts that can be. And when you start to implement these little practices in your life, it makes a huge difference. But things to ask yourself when you're going through your items, like I always give the example of like things we love are so easy to answer that we love them. It's like, Mm -hmm. do you love your boyfriend? Like, yes. Like it's a quick yes. You're not like, um, I mean, like some days, yeah. <laughs> like how you would answer about like certain sweaters you have of like, and I've noticed everybody has kind of like their tell, especially on a project where I can tell pretty instantly whether they totally love something or if they're not sure about it. And you want to get to the point where if you're not sure, it's just, you're letting go of it because you want to make room for the things that you love. And at reorganizing kind of like the methods that I've put in place for our team and how we approach projects with our clients, it's not making them feel like they have to get rid of everything. We just want you to know what you have. So many people just don't even know what they have and to know what you have and why you have it, how you use it, that makes the world of difference. And to know like, okay, that I could mention any space in your home, like hall room closet and for you to be able to like visually know exactly what's in there. Like, oh, okay, I have my light bulbs. I have our vacuum parts, like, because everything's has a home in a designated place. So I feel like to just start anything, going through and figuring out what can leave to know what you're left with. Like, that's how you want to start anything. You know, so many people are like, oh my gosh, I just like, I went to the container store and I went crazy and I got all this stuff. That's the worst thing you could do is to get <laughs> products before you even know what the hell you're using them for. So then it's like, okay. And then I like, I just, like people are just putting stuff in baskets in their pantry and none of it even makes sense where there are all these steps that need to happen before that. You need to be going through everything. You're emptying the space completely. You're categorizing it. You're figuring out what's staying and what's going. And then you're figuring out where it's going to live. And with any space for space planning, you know, I feel like that phrase sounds like so intense, like, oh, I'm going to space plan my closet. But it really is figuring out, I need my daily essentials and my most used items the most accessible. And when you start setting up your space with that and moving outwards, then it's like, okay, I have like my random, you know, annual costume I wear, whatever that like can be up on the top shelf that I need a ladder to get, who cares? But that's not part of your, your daily life. And you know, your pantry, okay, these are all the things I'm grabbing. These are the things I'm doing to make kids lunches. I'm always baking, but I'm rarely whatever, making pasta. So those can be up at the top. And when you kind of build it out that way and you know where everything's going to live, then you figure out product because only then will you know like, okay, I need turntables because these are going to be in the corner or baskets here or whatever, because product should just be there to elevate the aesthetic of the space, but also solidify the system you put in place. Mm -hmm. You're not just going to keep setting things back perfectly. They need an actual home. Yeah. Do you have any favorite products? Like, do you have any favorite stores, favorite products? I would say, I mean, the container store, of course, is, is a favorite for, for so many. Um, Amazon has a ton and Amazon's obviously available international. I know that that's something we'll get a lot is just DMs from international followers. Like, okay, great. What about us that don't have container store? Yeah. <laughs> Ikea, Bed Bath & Beyond, Target, all of these places have really great solutions. I mean, all of which, like, I mean, just scroll through our feed and it's literally just products on products on products. But at the end of the day, knowing the type of product you need is the most important. And then you can figure out which one of those, mm-hmm. like, you know, you need a basket. Now you can kind of source from all different places and figure out what basket makes the most sense. And, you know, we definitely take organization to the next level of making it so beautiful. Like we're not necessarily going through and we're using shoe boxes in people's pantries. We're doing everything with purpose and we want people to feel so excited about their spaces. Your stuff makes me feel so calm. Like looking at it, I'm like, oh, this is so calm. Like when I open my fridge, I don't feel that way. <laughs> I don't feel calm. I feel stressed. I'm like, I don't know where anything is. I'm like moving things around. Like I try to organize and then I'm that person that like falls back. Like I don't, I don't maintain it, but I also don't think I have the proper like systems to organize. Like I don't have any containers. I don't have, or actually I made the mistake. I've watched this TikTok video. It was the most like pleasing, like the ASMR type, like everything's like those types of videos when they're organizing. And so immediately I went and I bought all of these containers and like all of these clear cases did not know what to do with any of them. So I ended up returning them right away. (laughs) You want to know what you need something for versus the other way around versus like, oh, I want all these in my fridge. Let me make all my stuff work for this product. Yeah, You just want to go the other way. And I bet you'd be so surprised to assess your fridge like, 
what am I actually using from here? Because there are some things that just made it in there and never made their way out. But the more that you shop for your daily needs, the less you're going to feel overwhelmed. And I like, I would rather grocery shop more often than go and bulk buy at Costco and just have like crap everywhere and me like have nowhere to put it and just me being overwhelmed by that. And I feel like advice that I give to so many people is shop for the space that you have, not for the space that you want. Like we have clients that are like, oh, we like bulk buy everything, but they're also so overwhelmed by their small pantry and there's nowhere to put things. So then it's like, okay, well, there's a price for peace sometimes. And for you to just like have, you know, some breathing room. So we have to decide, is there a secondary area we can set up for this? Or there's something you have to sacrifice sometimes. Right. It's hard to like have it all. Yeah. Well, I love your stuff. I think it's like so pleasing, so calming, like you're inspiring me to really level up and actually look at my stuff. Cause like I recently moved into my apartment in April, but it was previously like my family. Well, it's still my family's apartment, but I'm just living in it right now. So there was still like a ton of stuff in the pantry and like the fridge that was expired for like five years. Like it's things that like, not the fridge as much, but like the pantry, there were things that I'm like, these cookies expired in like 2016. Like, why are they still in Advil's from 1996? Like it's (laughs) nuts. So I still haven't, I threw away like expired items, but like the pantry is still a giant mess. Have not, I just shove things in there. Like I need to, I need to organize it and I need to actually take everything out. You need to like set aside a day to where it's like, okay, that day is for this project. And that's why a lot of people will hire professionals is because it forces you to use that time. Like when we're in our homes, I'm so guilty of it. I'm going to do one project and then I'm distracted by the playroom that needs to be picked up or the laundry that needs to be folded or this or that or this to where the original thing I wanted to do doesn't even freaking get touched. Exactly. So just it's having the discipline of like, this is what I'm doing. But once you empty your pantry completely, it's like, okay, you're in it. And as you're emptying, categorize versus emptying and then having to figure out what everything is. Like mm-hmm. we use blue tape for everything. Use post-its to where it's like, okay, baking expired. So easy. Set up your little categories. Then you lay it all out. And then you're like, okay, I don't need any of this stuff. Certain things. And you'll be so shocked at the difference just from doing those steps. Seriously. Yeah. All right. I'm going to do it. I'm going to set aside a day and like clean out my yes. kitchen. I'm going to hold you to it. You need to send it to me. Seriously. <laughs> I will. I will. But before we go, what is some, I live asking all of the guests this question, but what is one of the realest pieces of advice that you've received? So it could be the best piece of advice, the advice that touched you the most, the advice you've implemented, anything like that. I would say, so definitely the Joan Atkin, like knowing my worth and, and all of that was major for me and has stuck with me. My Bapa, oh, and it, this is like the hardest working man I've ever met, like truly an ox, like we'll work until the end of time. He said that his father would tell him, hold on till you hit a lick. And that has stayed with me because like, sometimes you're just going to be going through the crap. Sometimes you're not going to be getting clients or there's not going to be work or your followers are going to go down or all of these things. And then Chrissy Teigen's going to post about you on her Instagram and get 1.4 million likes and like that changes. And then you're going to have to hold on again. And, and then you're going to do some insane project and whatever, whatever those like licks are, you just like, hold on till you hit a lick because you're going to, but like, you've got to go through the crap sometimes to have these amazing things happen. And I think that that phrase has definitely always stuck with me and, and gotten me to this point and helped me enjoy when I do hit a lick, but no, like, okay, I just have to hold on a little bit longer and something great is going to be around the corner. You've just got to work your ass off. Get it. Yeah. I love that. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast, Rhea. This was so much fun. And also it's just really inspiring for me. I'm going to send you a photo. I'll send you a before and after. I'll send no, you- I'm not kidding. Please do. I will. Where can they find you? Where can they find all of your stuff? They can shop your products, any, anything like that. Yeah. So Instagram will definitely be the main platform. So at reorganize, it's at R-I organize, little play on my name. Um, but that'll be where all the goods and then keep an eye out for some fun product stuff coming up in the future. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rhea, for coming on. And I can't wait to actually send you the photos. (laughs) Yes, I can't wait either. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday.
Hey there, my name is Renee Rena, and I am the mom friend you have always wanted. I am also the host of the Mom Room Podcast. We publish two episodes per week, a co-hosted episode on Tuesdays and a solo episode on Thursdays. Popular topics include pooping and having sex after giving birth. I have a solo episode where I talk about not sharing a bed with my husband and why that's okay. I hope you'll tune in to these conversations every week. Join us on Instagram at the mom room podcast and start to feel a little less alone in this crazy thing called motherhood. Hey, my name is Lovan Roomf and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here. And vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.